This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth, when you went through. You are about to go beyond that limit. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin, all of whom are desperately excited to talk about Brundlefly. Uh, today, we are in honour of Blue Beetle tomorrow. See how non-tenuous the link is? <laughs> Uh, throwing it back to 1986 and David Cronenberg's The Fly. I will admit that I was the one who yelled out, we should do The Fly, when we were thinking about what a throwback, um, what throwback would work for Blue Beetle. You yelled it verbally, you typed it in caps. I did, yeah. yes, a lot mm. of yelling. And actually, re-watching the movie, I don't know why, because I realised that I have so much trauma associated with it from when I watched it as a kid. Like, genuinely afraid of certain scenes, had nightmares for weeks. I had suppressed a lot of it um, and remembered only that I loved Jeff Goldblum so very much in this movie. So re-watching it brought a lot of that back. It, it is by no means an easy watch, but oh, it's such a good movie, though. It's so, so good. I still don't know why I like this movie, but I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I still have no idea... Um, what makes me like it, um, especially like I watched it for the first time when I was way too young also um, and rewatching it now. It's so gross and so disgusting. And I think I realized that it's um, it's a wait what kind of movie. Like no matter how many times you see it, you're squinting and you're looking and you're looking at the screen and going like, wait, what? Like, like, what am I what am I looking at? And most of the most of the movie is not sexual but it's not a kind of movie that you want someone walking in on you watching. You know what I mean? Okay, like so especially- <laughs> I, I feel like the whole movie actually is very sexual. It's not explicit is the no. thing. But like you no. can't you can't have Jeff Goldblum like mumbling repeatedly about the flash and about penetration <laughs> and then the flash and you know, just kind of going on and on about it. Even when he's not overtly doing anything sexual, I think the movie is very much about at least the body. And and therefore yeah. sex. Like, you know no, how I mean, like <laughs> when his ear falls off, especially that's a very difficult thing to explain. Like no no no, I'm watching it for work. This is this is research. You know, I I, I get paid to do this show. Please wait, don't go. You know. Uh, yeah, it's not easy to explain the movie at all. No, um, there are actually scenes that straight up. Like, you're right, if somebody walks in on you and they didn't know what you were watching, it would be very (laughs) weird. Um, But to that point about the sexual thing, right, I thought about it a lot because you know how the big conversation these days is how sexless a lot of films have become? Like, it's an actual criticism that people don't see the value in sex scenes, that they're either completely superfluous or... Or or not sex scenes, but sexiness. Sexiness, Yeah. yeah. This movie makes such a case for why... 
understanding the role of sensuality and physicality in a film actually goes a long way. I mean, it is body horror. It's David Cronenberg. But I feel like if they didn't establish the quote-unquote sexiness, sensualness in the start, the rest of the true horror that follows also wouldn't work. Okay, we've gone too far without explaining what the movie is, I think. You know, we, we've gone all the way to the flesh without actually saying what The Fly is. So The Fly is a, it's actually a very simple high concept movie. So there is a man, Seth Brundle, played by Jeff Goldblum at like Pete Goldblum, um, who is an eccentric scientist who has a device, who has invented a teleportation device. He's excited about it. Um, he doesn't want the world to know about it yet, but he does want to impress a woman, uh, Veronica. Veronica Quaife, apparently her name is. Um, but, you know, you just know her as Ronnie, played by his then-wife, actually, Gina Davis, mm. in real life. So, anyways, he wants to show her the machine. They work on it slowly. They fall in love. Um, and then, one day, he decides, because he's a little upset, for a variety of reasons, that he is going to test it out on himself. What he does not know is that there is a fly in the machine. The man then becomes fly. The fly then becomes man. <laughs> Brundle fly. Brundle fly. Um, it's such a ridiculous, schlocky concept. It's great. It, it's so good. And, and of course, this is a remake of the 1950s actual schlocky sci-fi film, The Fly. But... Something about the way Cronenberg approaches the issue, like there's something very earnest and serious about Seth himself. Even when he eventually becomes the fly, at some parts he's so funny and so human that there's a real undertone of sadness. You really buy into their love story. There's a lot that you don't expect to feel again. Because I watched this as a kid, what stuck with me were the the sort of real horror, like the skin falling off, la, the squirting liquids. La. But... I didn't, I think, process the, the true heartbreak at the centre of the story in a way that I did this time. So we're talking about uh, Blue Beetle tomorrow, like Lynn, you mentioned, right? Um, and it got me thinking about how The Fly is a superhero origin story gone horribly, horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? Like this is what would happen if Spider-Man or, or any superhero movie was like a fever dream or a horror movie because it starts out with him looking ripped. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's like a gymnast overnight. Yeah, they even um, have the scene where he discovers his powers, right? Quote his unquote. powers. Yeah. Like, he discovers his powers. He even has the, the template. Uh, superhero goes to the bar for the first time to test out his powers <laughs> and fights some average-looking goon who's sitting there. He even has that scene. Except? And then e e except everything goes downhill from there. Like, he's not a superhero. The science is weird. Uh, the romance that they establish in the first half is, is something else entirely by the second half. It, it really is like one of the most subversive movies out there. And I was thinking about how if it came out today, it would be such a good pop culture commentary because of the amount of, so the number of superhero movies we have. This would be commentary on, on today's pop culture. Yes, um, it still works that way. I think it's still effective even watching it in retrospect. But at the mm. time, I, I think... So I was reading about the various uh, comparisons that were being made about The Fly because the parallels were drawn to, at the time, the HIV crisis <clears throat> and the you know the, the idea of people's bodies falling apart or being under attack from something that people aren't fully aware of or that science can't solve. You don't know which trajectory it's going to take. Um, I think Cronenberg has also drawn parallels to, on the one hand cancer but also on the other hand just aging just the idea of aging and your body betraying you so it's it's a weird thing to say about 
a movie that has so many B-movie tropes, but I really think that The Fly works super well, um, both as an allegory, but also as, like you said earlier, Sharmila, the tragedy. I think if I didn't feel the heartbreak and that longing to be human that suffuses the Brundle Fly, you, you wouldn't necessarily feel what you're supposed to feel for the film. Yeah, and you know, the other thing is that a lot of these scientific hubris experiment gone wrong movies often have at their at their centre a scientist who sort of does something he shouldn't, right? Or has these grand dreams of being better or something along those lines. Seth isn't really like that. He isn't even experimenting with forces he can't control. He makes a mistake. It's, it's for all intents and purposes, something he never intended to happen. Um, and then the, the, the large, large consequences of that small mistake then turns into this absolute decimation of his life and and there's something really sad about it i loved how the the love story also right it isn't superfluous she isn't just a love interest who's there to watch him then you know turn into the fly uh, it's actually a big part of she's a part of why he's going down this path to begin with um she certainly puts up with a lot in terms of being there for him while he goes through this. She tries to be a true partner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so mm. at the end, actually, like when you get to the end, it is tragic. And, and it's more tragic than horror, right? I think that's the other thing. Like normally when you watch a horror movie and you see like a grotesque thing or face that you don't like, you can easily look away. But because there's so much tragedy involved and there's so much sadness you actually feel bad for looking away or you actually feel bad for thinking that he looks gross or, or you know, you don't want to, you don't want to stare. You know what I mean? Mm. So there's a lot of guilt tripping that the movie does as well because he is a very sad character. He's not like a slasher or like, he's not trying to hurt anyone. It's just, he's a fly, lah, you know? And he's, he's making he's, these like dark jokes about what's yeah. happening to his body, which is both funny, but also really sad. Yes. Um, and actually the thing about he's not trying to be a slasher or he's not trying to like take over the world, at mm. most he wants the Nobel Prize. Like he, <laughs> he makes a joke about that. <laughs> but that's like the furthest that this guy's aspirations go. You know, he's not out there trying to, to do anything. He's just trying to solve a problem that he put himself into. Uh, we're talking today about The Fly, which is a David Cronenberg um directed, co-written by him. It was. It also stars Jeff Goldblum, uh, Gina Davis. Let us know, do you remember watching The Fly? Do you plan to re-watch? Do you have thoughts, memories? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I wanted to see you before. You have to leave now. And never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm saying I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man. But now the dream is over. And the insect is awake. I'll hurt you if you stay.
BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmilan Arvin and we're talking today about David Cronenberg's The Fly, which we all really, really enjoyed. Um, by the way, it came out in 1986, which is also the same year, I believe, as Alien. And mm. there is something to be said about how this is also, in its own way, like Alien, a perfect generic movie. Um, the pop culture footprint is similarly very, very large. Be afraid, be very afraid. <laughs> you know, just all all that good stuff. Um, before we get into the rest of this, can we talk Goldblum? Because really... <laughs> how can we not? It's such a great performance. I, I I don't know that anyone else could necessarily have pulled off that weird combination of sweet, vulnerable, scary, gross, strange. But at the start, he is still a guy that you could see a woman following back to an abandoned warehouse. You know, because if it's a different guy, the whole story falls falls apart in the first five minutes. No, the, the perfect combination of he's not threatening. He's just weird enough to be interesting, physically sort of... Very attractive, but not in the conventional way. Um, It's actually quite amazing how far the movie goes. And particularly given that this is an 80s movie and it had an actress like Gina Davis, much of the focus on the physicality is not on the woman. It's actually on him. Um, And I think that's very purposeful, right? You're supposed to see how beautiful he is and and how at the peak of his fitness at one point he was and then the degenerating of that later. Um, Jeff Goldblum was just such a delight to watch. Um, I've always liked practically everything he's done. Watching like an early performance and realizing that he's not just the weird kind of energy performer, but he's genuinely a good actor. And a leading man. Yeah, such a treat. And I think the thing I love the most about his character is that he doesn't play it as completely normal guy in the first half and then guy becoming a fly in the second half <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know he's like he he is he doesn't start out normal uh, it's not a bad thing but you can see that he's slightly impulsive and there is a, a, a hint of instability there um, he jokes about not letting her leave the lab alive you know which is a dark joke but also inappropriate for the time and the situation uh, showing up at her office uh, uninvited no social awareness you know those kinds of things <laughs> the way he dresses um, and I love that and I love how that morphs into like an amplified version of who he is before with the, with the ticks and the, the way he, whatever he's doing with his body it's so it's not just the prosthetics, right? It's not just the makeup and, and whatever is put on him. Like, you can see the gold bloom underneath all that acting, like really, really performing and acting beyond all the, the grotesque stuff. So people said he was robbed for not at least getting a nomination. Mm. And I can actually see mm. it, you know, when you watch this thing. While it, it seems silly at first to suggest that a guy turning into a fly would, and, and turning into a fly in this very particular Cronenbergian way, that this would warrant an Academy Award nomination. But actually, it really does. It's an excellent performance. Without this level of dedication, I'm not sure that you buy into the premise. And if you don't buy into the premise then really what's left the whole movie in many ways um it, it requires you to have that sense of belief gina davis uh, we spoke about her character earlier as well um it is not quite a screaming um a, a, a damsel in distress it it 
is, I think it has more weight and more meat than that, but it isn't a character that is as well developed, I don't think, as um, Seth Brundle. No, and it's almost like the movie doesn't have space for that, right? She's she's also there for a very particular, actually like Alien, the, the links of um, mm. the female body and, and reproduction. There's, there are a lot of themes there and it's quite obvious that you need a female character to be able to take that story in that direction. For what it's worth, she actually does very well with this role. I liked her a lot. Um, there is, you need to believe that she could be invested in this relationship, right? So um, I think she did a really good job with it. Also speaking about um, believe, um, I, I think we could stitch like a whole episode together by now about us geeking out over practical effects. Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and how much we love practical effects. Um, and I think like this movie proved like once again that even if the effects are updated and janky, um, even if we know that they are prosthetics, there's just something about seeing like real ooze bloop out of <laughs> a mutant's mouth. Ooze. You know? Oh, you just, went just, with the just, mouth. I The finger uh, one I really bugged finger. me. The finger <laughs> one totally bugged me. The finger one also. Like, like we know it's, it's practical effects. We know it's an effect. But did I feel phantom pain when he was doing that? Yes. Like, I, I was super I yelled and turned away that. from the screen because I felt yeah. like it was going to get on my face. Because again... If you have never seen this movie or you haven't watched it in a while and, you know, you're thinking Dr. Ian Malcolm, that's not what this is. You know, at at the point of deterioration, the man loses so many limbs and like just morphs He has into, a museum display of them. Yes, he does. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is, again, that, that signature Brundle sense of humour. But he he's really falling apart and the movie doesn't shy away from that. Um, the setting also gets increasingly claustrophobic and strange because most of it happens in the apartment uh, where the teleportation machines are. So, yes, I think the morphing of... Um, man into fly is one thing i think the building of the machines and the final transmutation all of that stuff was just really intense um the movie's pinnacle is incredible i you know there there are several set pieces that live in my mind right one failed transporting of a baboon was horrifying oh my god um because you don't see it coming right and then you're just like oh my god what did i just see uh the ending is Fantastic. And like you said, Armin, like it does look janky to today's eyes, but janky in the best possible ways. I felt like I could feel the surface of the thing on my skin. Mm. Um, And yeah, like when they say body horror, they're not joking. No. Why did I remember him growing wings by the end? I think Um, because he's up on the walls. Yes, I think. Or do you think you're thinking of Fly 2? Because I remember nothing of that. There is, but he's not in it. And yeah. neither is Gina Davis. It. It, it's a it's a massive, massive flop. Yeah, I think. yeah, but, but really I don't bad, know if, really bad film. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe like a like a Mandela effect kind of thing, or maybe it was a scene from one of the sequels or some other ripoff movie. But I kind of remember a humanoid fly with wings, like giant wings on his back. And I don't know if that was just a nightmare that this movie put in my head or whether that actually happened in another movie. But I wanted to ask you guys, like, do you remember where that is from? Like big fly eyes and no wings. No, mm. no, I, I, I feel like so. I also thought that he, the eyes happened. That that was my oh, memory. So I yeah. thought his. So I have this clear visual <laughs> of his skin splitting. Yeah, which happens, uh, sort but of. not in the way it happens in the film. The, like it, I, like <laughs> and a fly emerging from the skin suit. So clearly, this movie has in like triggered many weird 
phantom memories for people. I'm not surprised because it's very evocative and there are scenes in which he borderline flies or there are scenes in which he's very high up on a wall and he's climbing around fly, that looks fly style. Phenomenal, yeah. by the way. Yes, that looked yeah. crazy. So yeah, I'm not surprised that we... Actually, you're right. You know, I did... Uh, I was surprised by how little I remembered of the movie. But I remembered the mood very accurately. I will say that, that the mood that I recall from when I was a kid and watched it way too young is the same. I remember Jeff Goldblum's walk very clearly for some reason. And I remember the vibe of the film, for sure. The feeling that it gave me. I remember the weird skin falling off. I oh don't remember God. where it fell off, off but <laughs> oh I knew God. that there was just weird, weird prosthetics. Poor young you. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't have watched this movie that young. Like, none no, of us should TV have seen two, this. No. TV2 had no... TV2, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, I come back again. So the horror is one thing, but I will say that what I remembered feeling uncomfortable about when I was a kid was that feeling that it was a sexual film that I shouldn't be watching. And... and I think that as an adult, it's a huge part of the appreciation of the movie. We, we spoke about that earlier, that sense of sensuality and how it gets perverted. But yeah, if I mean, if you have a child, just don't let them watch The Fly. I feel like I don't even have to say this. I don't know why I'm saying it, but don't. Uh, by the way, just a quick shout out because we are ending the review. But um, Howard Shaw's music oh, really sets the tone. Yes. Even from the beginning. Yeah, I didn't know it was Howard Shaw. But yeah, I was like, oh, this is really doing well. Creepy and also kind of warm in some places. Yes. Warm yes. and cosy. And, and, and kind of sad early on, but you're not sure why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it has that tone. Anyways, um, we've been talking today about 1986's The Fly, written and co-directed, uh, sorry, co-written um, and directed by David Cronenberg, starring Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, John Getz. Um, let us know if you've watched it or if you plan to rewatch it now that we've talked about it. Do you have memories of it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.